This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, I have a special guest to discuss transitioning from flying jobs to non-flying jobs in aviation with a focus on our military aviators. But before we begin that, a few announcements. First of all, any questions, comments, maybe you have an inspirational story, please write us a feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, please check out the scholarships guide. We have over $120 million in scholarships. That's a guide that we publish, and for only $10 a year, you have access to all the updates throughout the year. You know, it's amazing how many people have been able to get scholarships through this. And we also have a service, and you should contact us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you need help trying to find a scholarship, we will help you out there. And Alicia Ortiz, who's the person who actually coordinates our scholarships, does a great job there. You can actually get a scholarships guide for free through our Pay It Forward campaign. You can find out more about that at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash payitforward. Another thing we've been doing is putting out some videos. You know, I go through this process of helping people with interviews and getting ready for the interview at the airlines, 135, their first 91 job, et cetera. And I have about 500 questions in my list. What I've been doing is putting out a video, trying to put out one a week where I discuss one of those questions so that it can help you prepare for your interview. Check that out on our YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash expert aviator. Well, on with the show. You know, like I said, there's a lot of people out there, especially now, that are thinking of transitioning to the world of aviation, but things have really slowed down on the flying side. But there are a lot of other jobs out there. There's non-flying jobs. There's entrepreneurship. There's all sorts of different things that you can do. And somebody who's actually walks the walk and actually was able to do that, change over from a flying job in the military and the Navy, and has moved into a business on his own is Paul Wins. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, it's good to be here. Thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, Carl, and uh, longtime listener. Um, so big fan. It's great to be here. Well, thanks, Paul. And I do want to shout out to, uh, to Paul for actually, he is one of the folks that through the Pay It Forward campaign made some of those scholarships available. We'll talk a little bit more about what he's doing at his flight school as far as financing and also scholarships. But really, thanks for doing that, uh, for allowing people to make their dreams come true. Yeah, you bet. Uh, you know, one of the things that I I was learning from listening to your podcast was just uh, you know I I didn't come up in the civilian flight training world. You know, I, I I grew up in in Navy flight training, and man, it is hard to get funding for flight training uh, in the Part sixty one or the one forty one world. You name it. So you know, as I looked uh, deeper into that and learned more from your podcast, I figured hey, it's the right thing to do. Uh, people really need it, and I'm happy to help out. Well, again, thanks. Uh, to back up a little bit, though, Paul, you, we talked about your aviation world. You talked about flying in the Navy. Uh, I know you're very passionate about aviation. So kind of curious, did you find out about aviation through the Navy or was this something that started a long time ago? Oh, it, it started a long time ago. So or literally right from the very beginning, I think. Uh, so uh, I don't remember this, but apparently my, as my parents have told me, my, my first word was airplane. Uh, and I do know from a young age that I was just always fascinated with everything about airplanes. And, uh, 
you know, when I ask myself, uh, you know, reading about books and comic books and watching movies, you know, I ask myself, because I was this kind of a kid, what's the most challenging thing you could do with an airplane? And the answer was, well, you could try to land it on a ship. And so then I started looking at naval aviation and uh, and then there was this little movie that you might have heard of called Top Gun. And uh, and once I saw that, it was all over. So I knew I, knew I wanted to be a, a Navy pilot, a naval aviator a- after that. A lot of people that are in my generation and, uh, and a little younger really were turned on by that movie. And I fly with a lot of folks that when I ask them about their career in Navy, uh, they say they were actually got their interest through that movie, Top Gun. It was really it, and you know what? We need more of those movies, don't we? We do, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a sequel. So, so Top Gun Maverick was is uh, you know it was going to be released uh, this summer. Uh, uh, me and a, and a bunch of my buddies, the casting call went out to if you're uh, used to be in the Navy and you could still fit into your flight suit and you had boots to show up for uh, for some filming that went on. So, so uh, you know, there's a bunch of folks who are going to be extras uh, in the movie, and and you know that. Uh, uh, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny that that I was a part of that, but I'm aware that 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 was going on. So, you know, when the movie comes out, you know, I'm hoping that it's going to generate uh, another big surge in interest like that because it's only good. It's only good stuff that people are engaged and excited about aviation because it's something truly special. It is special, and I think that's going to help. I think a lot of these different shows that come out help as far as the shows that talk about aviation. And I think we're doing a great job getting out there talking about it, but we need to get to the general public and and tell them it still is a special job and flying is special. Speaking of the Navy, I want to talk a little bit about your career because you, you flew something that I think a lot of folks don't know what it is. So tell us a little bit about what happened through your Navy career and how you got chosen for the aircraft you flew. Yeah, so so the the plane that I flew was a plane that probably most people haven't heard of. Nobody's ever going to make a movie about it. Uh, it. It's called the S3 Viking. And for the layperson, probably the best way to explain this aircraft is to say, you know, everybody knows what a fighter plane is. Everybody knows what an F-18 or an F-14 is. Those are the sports cars of the carrier air wing. But the S3 is kind of more like the, the sport utility vehicle. So, so you know, we, we have four seats. Uh, we've got space in the back. And, and, you know, I've heard of people putting mountain bikes in the back of an aircraft on a cross country. I personally have flown a, a load of Maine lobsters that have been stuffed into the avionics tunnel in the back of the plane. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we carry bombs and missiles and, and all kinds of stuff, but you know, next to my ejection seat was a cup holder. So, so it, you know, it, it's kind of like flying casual flying in style. Uh, it, it was, it was just a fun community. Our missions were really, really varied. Uh, you know, a bunch of stuff that's classified, a bunch of stuff that was aerial refueling, a bunch of stuff that was reconnaissance and surveillance. So, uh, so just, uh, a really, really varied amount of missions, uh, and just a fantastic group of people in the community. It was a plane that was retired before its time uh, in the uh, in the mid 2000s. For those listening right now, to make it easier for you, I just looked it up and put in the show notes the S3 uh, Viking. And I've actually flown with a lot of folks that have flown the S3, and uh, it get, I think it gets a bad rap. I think it's a cool airplane. I, I would have loved to fly that thing. Oh yeah, uh, 
<laughs> I mean, well, it looks like an ugly version of a 737, right? So, you know, you've got those big, you got those big motors on the wings, you know, you've got the, the off center line thrust. So it's a great feeder for the, you know, for the, for the mainline carriers. But, but more than that, it was just the stuff we did was, uh, was just really, really unusual types of missions and a lot of aerial refueling and a lot of other stuff that, like I said, nobody's ever going to make a movie about it, but the memories and the people I met were just fantastic. The memories are fantastic. If you're thinking of a career in the military, I highly recommend it because I hear the same thing of most pilots. They really enjoyed the community, the people, and they have friends for life. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So why did you stop flying the S3? What happened? Why did you move out of the military? Well, you know, I, I would say I would say that choice chose me uh, because my plan was to stay in forever. I, I mean, I uh, the Navy had, had been full of so many opportunities. Uh, Naval aviation was a place I loved. I love the people that I worked with. Uh, but Naval aviation goes through boom and bust cycles, just like the outside world. And, you know, in the in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, we were involved in two big wars uh, after September 11th. There was a lot of change. There was a lot of huge expenses that were unanticipated throughout the Navy, throughout, you know, all of the military. And so uh, the Navy had to get rid of entire communities of helicopters, fixed wing aircraft, you name it. So uh, the S3 community was one of those ones that was, uh, you know, was determined, hey, you know, this aircraft, we don't need it as much as we used to. Uh, so we're going to get rid of that community, you know, around the same time that, that we sunned down the F-14s, who everybody loves, they went away as well. So it just kind of shows you what a lean time it was. And, uh, you know, when, when the whole community went away from the West Coast in, in 2006, there was no clear way for me to continue flying. All the people I knew were kind of shot to the four winds uh, and, and some civilian opportunities came up. And I figured, you know, maybe now is a good time to, to see what the civilian world is like, to go into the reserves and, uh, and to focus on, you know, what an alternative career might look like as a plan B. And I always figured I was going to get back to flying, but it just, uh, you know, one thing led to another and, and I ended up where I'm at now. So the flying didn't quite, shall we say, work out or you found this other interest while you were flying in the civilian world? It was, it was kind of one and the other, right? Cause, uh, you know, uh, once, uh, in 06, when I rolled off of active duty, the mainline carriers, they, they weren't hiring, right? They were still dipping into their pool of furloughs. So while I knew a lot of folks that were at the mainline carriers who were saying, yeah, 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 come on in, the, the, the water's fine, um, I realized, yeah, I'm going to have to wait six months, 12 months, uh, you know, in order to move to the head of the line. Um, so that told me that, well, I, I need to pay the bills. So what else can I do? Um, and, you know, one thing led to another. I started working at a defense startup. I discovered all of these parts of aviation that I never really knew much about. Um, I got to use my engineering degree and work as a project manager on some technical projects to uh, integrate some some secret payloads and, and top secret payloads into aircraft to modify aircraft for special missions, to uh, develop new systems for use overseas uh, by warfighters. And, you know, I was really moving the needle on the stuff that I was doing. And, you know, by the time uh, it became a time where, okay, I could transfer over to the airlines, I was doing so well and really enjoying what I was doing. Also liking that I could sleep in my own bed at night and, you know, call the shots on my travel schedule that I figured, you know what, this is working well for me. Um, you know, I'll keep the window open and find other ways to fly. Uh, but, but I'm really liking what I'm doing with these teams and with this technical work that I'm doing. So I kind of got sucked in by the plan B. 
What's interesting is some of the things that you talked about are those things that we discuss as to why you may not want to go work for the airline, sleeping in your own bed, uh, being home at night, being home for your family. Uh, it's a, definitely a different lifestyle. But you went one step further. You decided not just to work for somebody. You decided to go out and start a business or work in the entrepreneurial world. So let's talk a little bit about that. Where was that transition from doing this engineering job into being involved in what you're doing right now? Yeah, that that is a good question because it was it was not like a straight shot where I made the decision and then was able to do it. And and I think there's there's a real parallel there to where a lot of folks who are listening and, and you know kind of caught up in everything that's happening right now in the industry. Um, I want to share this part of the story just just so folks understand, you know, there's always a plan B. Uh, there's always an alternative where uh, you can always make a new name for yourself and you can always go back if you want to, to the airlines. So, so what happened with me was, you know, I went to work for this tiny company right out of the Navy. They, uh, you know, they had their ups and downs. Uh, they, they, they almost missed payroll a few times, but they survived and they were bought by a medium-sized company. And then that medium-sized company was bought by Boeing. And then, you know, I found myself working for the world's largest aerospace company. Again, still on the plan B. Uh, and, you know, once I was there, I realized, yeah, this isn't as fun when it's not the small scrappy team. It's not as fun for me, which is not to say it's not good. It's just, it wasn't aligned with what I like. Um, uh, I realized, you know, my heart is in this, this really small scrappy type of environment where one person on a team, individual members of a team can, you know, make an outsized contribution and also kind of like aviation where, you know, if you, if you nail an approach, you nail a landing, you have a really good flight, you get that immediate satisfaction. It's very clear that, that, you know, how you worked together as a team, it, it's right there. And, and so I kind of miss that, uh, that small team kind of environment. And so once I sat down at my spreadsheet and punched in the numbers and, you know, I was saving money and, you know, me and my wife had kept our costs low, even though we're in, you know, the corporate big business world and pulling in that paycheck, kept my costs low, saved up the money. And from the time that where I realized, okay, I want to do this. I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to go back to school on my GI bill and use that business degree as, as kind of like the springboard into entrepreneurship. That was a five-year journey to make all the numbers work out. And where I'm at today is the result of, of, you know, getting in touch with what I really wanted and making a lot of sacrifices and, and making a lot of plans work out for many, many years to, uh, to start this. So it was definitely not an overnight thing. It was something that was born, you know, staring at a spreadsheet and really connecting and reflecting with what I wanted several years back. Yeah, that's a great example of what I like to tell people is to become an overnight success. It only takes about five years. And that's <laughs> really true in anything. <laughs> because if you look at it, most of these people don't recognize your success until you're a good five years into it. Uh, and they say, wow, you know, here's a, here's a good example of an overnight success. Just like yourself, it does take planning. It takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, that's that's how winning the lottery is happening overnight. This do, It doesn't happen that way in the, in the world of entrepreneurship. So I love the fact that you you mentioned it took five years because if you look at many different things in life, you're looking at a good you know 
10,000 hours to master anything. And that's about five years worth of work. Uh, so I, I'm glad you did it because I'm excited that we're able to kind of relate your story here. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to touch on is that there's a lot of folks, uh, I love that story about you coming out of the military. A lot of folks are doing that. They're leaving the military right now. I don't want to just focus on them, but I do want to you know, look at them right now as far as they're scared and they were going through what or they are going through what you went through. What advice would you have for those folks that are, that are just about coming out right about now? Yeah, it's so it, it, it is definitely a tough time. I'm actually working with a couple folks who are about to transition. Uh, it's under a program that, that I think everybody who's, who's any branch of the military should look into. If, if you're within about a year um, or so uh, from transition, take a look at the DOD skill bridge program where what you can do is, is you can work as an intern at any company that is part of the skill bridge approved uh, network of companies. And so uh, what happens is if, if your command approves you to detach and, and then go work as an intern, you're getting paid, you know, your, your military pay and all your benefits. And uh, you're, you're working for this company now to kind of learn the ropes and understand what it's like to be in the civilian world, understand, you know, what it's like to work in that kind of a job environment, but most importantly, get in touch with yourself and, and understand, you know, what really gets you out of bed about a job? What really is your calling in life? Because, you know, outside of the military, certainly you'll take a lot of the skills and the culture and the, uh, uh, and the inspiration that brought you into the military in the first place. But this SkillBridge program, I just, I can't recommend it highly enough, uh, provides you some decision space to learn, to connect with yourself, to connect with an employer and learn important skills with that employer. So, so we're part of that program. We've been working with two uh, interns in it right now. I'd highly recommend that people take a look at that and, you know, it's an uncertain time, but if, if now is the time for you to transition because uh, for family reasons, or you've got personal goals where you want to work on stuff out of the military, uh, or you're just plain burned out because it ain't easy, especially with deployment schedules the way that they are right now. And, uh, you know, if you're nearing the end of your service commitment and, and you want to do something else, uh, you know, don't be afraid of the job market or the financial environment outside. If, if it's the right time, uh, look at something like SkillBridge, look at financial planning, make it happen because uh, the water's fine out here. Um, it's, uh, and you're much more in demand than you might suspect too. That's very inspirational. I tell you, that's great to hear. Also, I'm so glad you brought up that SkillBridge because the DOD SkillBridge is awesome website. There's a lot of great information. As a matter of fact, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to it also on our veterans tab because I forgot to put that on our website. And I, I send a lot of people to that website because it really is something that you should look at. And for some of those coaching clients that are listening right now that are transitioning out of the military, Please look at that skills bridge, the DOD skills bridge. It's a it's a wonderful resource, uh, you know, more so for not just skills, but also the the life of a civilian and learning about uh, the life of a civilian. I love the fact that you brought that up. Great information, Paul. I really appreciate that. Going back to your business, you started having thoughts about getting into the the business world, and and one of the things that you chose. That most people would think you're kind of crazy for doing this is getting in the aviation business and starting into a flight school. Let's talk a little bit about that transition because we all all know it's easy to make a million dollars in aviation. Just start with ten. Yeah. <laughs> right? So why? 
you know, uh, <laughs> it's it's. I'm I'm glad you brought that brought up that quote. Yeah, the the uh, the way that I lead when whenever I'm talking to investors, uh, you know, who are looking at Flexair or or just you know trying to describe the company to to people from outside of aviation, is you know to tell them, hey, hey listen. Uh, there are no network effects here. This is not a venture capital type of company. Aviation for a hundred years has always been one student, one aircraft, one instructor, and it always will be. You know, there's no magic technology or virtual reality or whiz bang thing that's going to change it. You know, it's about one on one connection. So, so why in the world do this? Um, it was a couple of things. One is I just can't stay away, right? I, I just I want to do something in aviation. I um, through my my business school network when I was enrolled there uh, met my co-founder Charlie Copeland, and and Charlie flies on the side for uh, he's captain uh, Boeing seven thirty seven captain and a serial entrepreneur, um, and and so he you know he had started Flexair as a passion project. Uh, we met. We're both aviation nerds. Um, love the idea of of growing a flight school. That uh, and this is the other part of it that could fill a void that is out there in the market. Like we we see the numbers the same as everybody else does. You know we're we're not on the right glide path to try to fulfill the demand for new pilots uh, in the U.S. and not in the world either. And this is pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID. You know the demographics, the numbers don't lie. We're going to need a lot more pilots and and just. The numbers overall in the industry are, are just, you know, we think we can do better is, is the outrageous entrepreneur attitude. And, and so it was a combination of seeing the need. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of better places maybe that you can invest the money for a surefire bet. But, you know, I, I don't want to create the next Uber or the next pizza delivery service. Uh, I want to do something that'll that'll build the industry for the future and, and share that passion, you know, that we all have for our next generation of pilots. So, you know, maybe the business case, uh, you know, you could find better returns elsewhere, but, but we're not all about that. We're about making a difference. But there's, you know, obviously there's a, a more limited market because it is just quote unquote training in aviation, but it's mm -hmm. a big, big enough market. I mean, I think it's a great, I, I really, support many people that want to get into aviation as a business. You know, look, I do it. Uh, you know, I work part-time for an airline and run a business full-time. Uh, sometimes my wife says, I, I, that's all I do is eat, sleep, and breathe this. And, and that happens, though, when you become an entrepreneur, when you're actually a, a business owner. That is, that is one of the parts of it. And uh, before we talk about Flexair, one of the things I want people to know is that if you're looking at this, and I'd like to hear your comments on who should get into this, you have to realize there is a lot of time spent in it. And, and quite honestly, you don't really get to turn it off. I have a tough time turning it off. I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, my gosh, you know, I have an idea for a podcast and I'll have to write it down. Uh, so I'm sure you feel the same. So when you're looking at somebody that's thinking about this, what would you say to them? What what type of things would you recommend to look at introspectively uh, in yourself as far as before you get involved in, say, entrepreneurship or owning a business when you start rotating out of the military or your civilian life? Yeah, that that is that is a great question. You know, there's the mythology around an entrepreneur is, you know, it's this singular person who, uh, you know, has a grand vision and is relentless and just won't stop until they've accomplished what they set out to do. Uh, you know, the Steve Jobs in a black turtleneck taking over the world kind of a mythology. And, you know, I'm only a first time entrepreneur. 
But one of the things that I have noticed in what I've learned so far is that that's a fiction. The thing that makes entrepreneurs successful that I've seen is, first of all, that they're not by themselves. They love working in teams. They love helping their team succeed. They love recruiting their team. They, you know, I, I came to aviation originally for the cool jet planes uh, and the cool machinery, but I stayed because of the people. And so what I think entrepreneurship is all about is, is about those teams of people that really share that passion, that really want to work hard for that shared sense of mission. And so I'd say that's the first thing is, is you got to love people and you got to have a passion for what you're doing and, and a passion for working with that team and building that team. Um, and, and I'd say the second thing is, is as simple as you got to love to learn because it is not about, you know, uh, having the good idea and then you're done. It's about having the good idea and then learning, is this the right idea? Who are the people that I'm going to serve? What makes them tick? What do they need? Uh, it's about empathy. It's about trying to really get into uh, people's shoes and understand you know, wh- where their needs are and, uh, and how to better service them and how to better serve people. And, and you got to learn. You got to be constantly learning. And uh, you know, lucky for me, I love anything about aviation and learning about the planes and the people and the finance and all the rest of this stuff. So um, I won't say it doesn't feel like work, but it's, it's definitely stuff that it's a lot of work, but I'm interested in it um, because I love learning about everything in the aviation community and there's plenty to learn. Well, I can see the smile on your face and we can hear the <laughs> smile on your face. So obviously you do love it. And most people that have their own business do. And you can get started in a business in aviation. But I love the fact that you realize when you are an entrepreneur that you really aren't alone. It, and I love how you, you phrase that and also how you color that picture. Because right now, uh, I think people think that I'm going to be the lone person going out there. There's the gig economy, et cetera. But to truly grow, it's actually a very humbling experience because then you realize you just really are part of that team. You're just leading that team. And uh, and there's so many important people that are a part of that. And I think that's, that is very key that you touched on that point. But a lot of people don't know. They don't know where to start. And uh, I think you going for your education, that helped. There's a lot of resources out there, reading magazines. I think Entrepreneur Magazine is a good one. There's many different things that you can do to get started. But the simple thing that I always tell people is, number one, you know, show up <laughs> and do your job. And you're going to beat about 80 to 90% of the people out there. So the 10% is really your competition. And that's where you have to define yourself and you have to define your product and your service. And that's what you've done with FlexAir. So let's talk a little bit about that, how, okay, now we have this. You, you obviously work hard. Uh, you, you do a good job. Now, how do you define the differences between you and the other competitors out there through FlexAir? Yeah, the whole idea behind FlexAir, and this is what brought me and my co-founder together, was this shared belief that as a flight school, you have got to measure your success, not by hours or amounts of students, but by individual student outcomes. Uh, you know, we're a career-minded school, you know, and we, we love to train people of all walks of life who, you know, whether they want to be career or not, but our focus is definitely on a career. And the way that we see it, is that you know our success is measured by individual student outcomes, not like a cookie cutter of, hey, you need to follow this, this flow program or this pathway program or you're not going anywhere, but individualized uh, approaches to 
work-life balance. Where do you want to end up? Do you want to go to a, to a regional and, and do that and then flow to a mainline? You might top out your career potential earnings, but maybe you want to make a trade-off somewhere for lifestyle, for, your, uh, for the amount of flight hours you're going to get uh, to trade that off for basing. And so these are the types of conversations that, that we have with our students to help match them with, with a career path where they're going to be happy in it. Um, that's, that's the first one right there is outcomes. And the second one is that, you know, we, we have this crew concept, we call it one crew, one crew, one flight. That that's kind of our motto that we've had right from the beginning where we bring all of these things that you kind of take for granted. If you've been on the flight deck for a while, um, we bring it all forward to the students. So day one, we're talking about teamwork on the flight deck. There's no hierarchy of a student or instructor. There's no do what we said just because we said it. When you're in a flex air aircraft, doesn't matter how junior you are or how many flight hours you are, you're a crew. You know, even if you have zero hours, you can still spot traffic. You can still point out, you know, stuff. Even if you are hanging on to the tail of the aircraft, you still are adding safety. You still are adding mission accomplishment to that crew. Uh, even if you're just sandbagging as a student, you know, just trying to stay ahead of the airplane. So that sense of teamwork, which we think is integral to the aviation experience and what sets us apart, um, we bring that forward. The culture, the mentorship, the the sense that we're going to be with you for your entire career. We offer career um, placement services to alumni after they graduate. So our relationship does not end after a person leaves us. These are the things that we're focusing on that set ourselves apart. Uh, and, you know, so what's the trade-off? You know, you're not going to find the shiniest uh, avionics package in our aircraft. You're not going to find the fastest aircraft. Uh, you're you're going to find workhorse aircraft that are great trainers, that are great to learn the ropes in. But the real differentiator for us is we make our training affordable. We make it uh, outcomes-based. Uh, and we focus on that one crew concept of teamwork. And, and, you know, we're trying to create the aviation future that we see that we've loved where we've been in our career so far. So those are the big ones for us. I think those are great pillars to your business. And I love uh, that you measure your success by student outcomes. I think that's incredibly important. The one thing too, I think that we can glean and uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but a lot of times we forget that we look at the brass ring or the golden ring, whatever we're going for, but we, we don't define what it is. You know, we might wind up grabbing that ring and realizing, gosh, this isn't my, this isn't what I wanted. And, and sometimes we don't have those conversations to too late in our careers. And that I think through that mentorship that you're talking about, you can have those conversations. Not everybody's going to go to the airlines. There's, there's nothing wrong with going to some other type of aviation field because in society, that's all we think about, right? Is the airlines, that type of thing. We forget that there is so much business aviation. There's agricultural aviation. There's people that teach. Teaching is so important, like what you folks are doing. And I'm I'm so glad that you're actually partnering with people and realizing you do. You have to look at it holistically, uh, somebody's career. And I think that's terrific that you all are doing that. Speaking of which, if people are looking towards a career in aviation, obviously uh, one of the places they can look is at Flexair. And they have a website. It's called goflexair.com. Is that the website I should tell them about? 
Yeah, that's us. And we've just uh, we've just invested quite a bit of money into a big uh, website upgrade because we're realizing now more than ever, you know, with things uncertain with COVID-19 and all the rumors and news that people are hearing about the, the demise of the airline. And, you know, you know, Carl, the airlines have been, quote unquote, about to go out of business for many, many decades. So we wanted to get the good word out there that, hey, we're still here. We're growing. We've been doubling in size every year since me and Charlie first uh, started collaborating on the company a couple of years ago. Uh, we are moving forward with our programs to focus on outcomes. We're launching a CFI Academy for people who really want to teach and maybe supplement their income, maybe if they've been furloughed or displaced. Uh, so, so it's all there on the website. We're also very active on Instagram uh, and Facebook. And you know, we're trying to get news out there, information out there, so people can make good decisions about their career and their flight training. I think also one of the things we need to stress, since we are talking about entrepreneurship and a lot of the folks that listen are looking at wanting to go to the airlines, is that the jobs will still be out there. It's just like any industry, there's ups and downs. The peaks and valleys in our industry are a little bit bigger, um, but they're there and there will be hiring again. There's always a section of shortages and there's there's a time when there's an overabundance of pilots. But if you look at the cycles, the shortages are getting larger and larger. And I think the next cycle of hiring is going to be even bigger than the last. And I think when I tell people that, they think I'm nuts. But but believe me, we have democratized aviation. We have enabled everybody to get on an airplane and they will come back. I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah, there, it's it's not just the traditional long haul and regional markets either. And th this is one of the things where I'm I'm real thankful for for my background being at Boeing. Uh, you know, the research that I'm doing while I'm in school, being able to understand the engineering side. There are these other parts of the industry that are coming up that that aren't really well understood. They're not making much news right now. But there's electric aviation, which is going to revolutionize air taxi, charter, and short haul, uh, both for, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, uh, people tell stories about flying, uh, you know, checks around, you know, on those overnight flights. <laughs> yeah. That's going to come back. It's going to come back with aircraft that are half the cost to operate as a traditional piston or turbine aircraft. They'll be small aircraft, and instead they're going to be flying, you know, overnight shipments or, or courier shipments uh, because suddenly it'll become. Uh, economical to do that. So you're going to see a whole business segment spring up out of that. You're going to see charter and air taxi take on a life of its own. Uh, and that's just based around traditional fixed wing electric aircraft that'll be about the size of a King Air or smaller. And there's plenty of engineering and plenty of stuff to to back this up. And folks who are interested can, can look that stuff up online. Uh, but there's lots of companies that are venture back that are starting to move there. We look at that and we see, well, heck, they need pilots and they're going to need a different pilot supply pipeline than traditionally we've seen. So we're excited about that. Um, and then there's entirely new platforms in what uh, NASA and uh, the venture capital world are calling advanced aerial mobility or uh, urban air mobility. And, and a good way, you know, perhaps sensational uh, way to describe it, but it's a nice catchphrase. These are the flying cars, right? These are unusual quadcopter configuration type of aircraft that are made by, you know, aerospace giants like Bell uh, with the Nexus aircraft and a bunch of other folks like Joby Aerospace that are brand new to the industry. And this is a market where you're going to start seeing F FAA certifications uh, with these aircraft. They're going to start flying limited routes. 
They may be flying their first routes overseas. And these are ultra short hop, rooftop to rooftop uh, types of things that are going to seat maybe around six uh, passengers. That's going to be an aircraft unlike anything else. The FAA doesn't quite even know what category to certify them for. And so all this stuff is happening now where, you know, if, if I was a person coming into this industry today, um, you, uh, you ought to be excited because more is going to happen in the next 15 years in the aviation industry than we've seen, I think, in the past 30, 40, 50 years. New platforms, new routes, new ways of operating aircraft. It's all right there and it's going to happen. So we're looking beyond the short term of this disruption here. And we're seeing not only the traditional recovery that you were describing, but uh, just all kinds of stuff that, that we have never seen before that will be new ways of operating planes. There's going to be a lot of new opportunities, and I'm really excited about that. New careers uh, that we haven't thought of, just like you were talking about. And it is really exciting to see that moving forward. And that's what we're excited about, is there are going to be a lot of jobs in the aerospace and aviation. And, uh, you know, it's something that we're passionate about, and that's not going to go away. We're going to be changing things, but we're still going to need pilots. We're going to still need people that love aviation. And we're going to define new jobs and new careers. And that's what's really, really exciting. Uh, really excited about the electric plane. Actually, I've been looking at one of those. I'd love to, to buy one. I was looking at the Pipistrel and that even from that small scale, just look at how we at some point will be able to scale that. You know, I uh, And as far as that's concerned, I grew up next to the first commercial building that had solar panels. And this is back in the early 70s. And boy, look where we've come from, from that point. Now we can actually power all whole buildings. Now we're going to have that in aviation. We're going to have batteries that can last a long time. Uh, it's going to scale upwards and it's going to scale upwards for probably the next 50 to hundred years. Oh um, yeah. You know, it's without it, a doubt. And, and yet though, you know, I, I remember those first, you know, buildings that had solar panels on them and it was kind of a joke. Oh, that's never going to go anywhere. They're so expensive. You know, the sun doesn't shine all the time. There's no way, you know, the utilities won't get on board. Big oil will crush this whole thing. Well, you know, the economics of it, entrepreneurship always finds a way. Uh, stuff got cheaper. And now, you know, I can't, uh, you know, looking out my window here in Southern California, I can't see a house that does not have solar panels on it. And it's the same thing with electric aircraft, too. You know, we've got deposits down for uh, E-Flyer 2s from Buy Aerospace. Uh, we don't think that any new flight school of our size is going to be workable in the next decade unless it's operating electric aircraft. Like we've got a lot of initiatives and things that are different, but the one thing that's going to make us a scalable company economically is going to be the, the step increase in profitability and in reliability and safety and, and uh, zero emissions, reduced noise. Uh, an E-Flyer is a thousand times quieter than a regular general aviation aircraft. We're, we're going all in with that because we think that is the future for not all of aviation, but certainly the light trainer, the primary segment. Um, we're real excited about it. So, yeah, I can't wait to see when you've got one on your line, too, and, uh, and you do a show about one of yours. Yeah, I'm excited about it, too. And uh, that E-Flyer is really, really cool. Uh, a lot of times we don't realize that some of the very traditional companies are involved in these things. Think about it. It's powered by Rolls-Royce. Mm -hmm. Rolls-Royce has been a around for a while, and they have really moved forward, and they have adapted just like you have. And I think that's terrific. Well, Paul, this has been awesome having you here. Uh, one of the things I want to know is, uh, before we kind of wrap up, what's next? What's next for Paul? Well, it's like we were talking about in the pre-show, everything since my time when I left the Navy, when I left active duty, 
it's been a constant series of of swinging from vine to vine, kind of a rolling series of plan Bs. Uh, I've had to reinvent myself at each step of the way to adjust to the new environment, to the new steps of my career. And I've finally arrived at a place that where I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm really liking where I'm at. You know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always had the entrepreneurial bug, and it's taken me a while to get to the point where my finances and my skills and everything was in a place where I was ready to embark on that journey. And, you know, now as, as we're recording this in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm finding that I got about 110% of what I bargained for, uh, for, you know, how dynamic and, and how crazy things have been. But but we're doing all right. Um, I'm doing all right. I've, uh, I'm really enjoying where I'm at with Flexair and with being in school at UCSD. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, you know, what, what's next for me is uh, uh, really continuing to build the business at Flexair. Uh, we've got a little bit of time yet before we're going to become an all-electric uh, uh, aviation uh, school, an all-electric fleet. So while we're waiting for FAA certification of those aircraft that we have on order, we're going to keep building the existing products that we have, the traditional flight school model. Um, latest thing that we're up to is we have recently rolled out a new CFI Academy offering. It is a highly accelerated, um, highly structured environment that's intended as, as like a finishing school for professional aviators. So we can take you uh, right after the point where you've got your commercial, you've got your instrument, uh, and you're looking to instruct to make a living and, and learn all of the, uh, all of the uh, tips and tools and techniques to become an effective instructor. We teach that in a, a very, very structured environment that takes two months uh, to get you all the ratings that you need. And that includes uh, both your single engine and your multi-engine instructor tickets, both the CFI and the double I in two months. And that's available uh, with housing in our Kansas location. So we're really excited about that. We have our initial two uh, candidates classing up for that here within the next few weeks. And we're going to run subsequent classes as quickly as we can generate demand. So I, I really invite folks to check that out on our website. Uh, look at our CFI Academy. And that's what's next for Flex Air. And, and for me, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's building on me being an aviation geek through and through. I, I really can't stay away from it. I really love school. I really love learning uh, about both about the aviation industry and about the world of business. So I am enrolling in the PhD program at UCSD uh, in the Rady School of Management. That's their business school uh, starting this fall. And, you know, uh, really looking forward to doing the research, especially focusing on uh, a lot of things that have to do with, with social problems, social impact uh, problems. But most especially, uh, you know, I, I'm going to look at the aviation industry, specifically affordability for uh, aircraft flight training, because it, it's just really tough what, uh, what new folks, what new pilots face if they, if they want to become a professional pilot. We've just ended up in this situation where the industry is becoming unaffordable uh, for new entrants. And, and so, you know, I'm thinking about things like uh, AOPA and the recent study that they did where they uh, concluded that almost 70% of the students that enter the aviation training industry drop out. And the majority of those dropouts are caused by uh, uh, issues with finances. 
you know, it, it's it's an ongoing problem. And when you look at the demographics of the current ATP population, uh, and you look at how difficult it is for people from certain socioeconomic backgrounds, or people that uh, you know don't have much of a credit history, uh, or or people that don't have access to cosigners, how impossible it is for them to come up with the cash or to qualify for the loans that they need in order to get the training uh, that they need to step into this industry, we've got to change it. We've got to adjust it. If, if we're going to have a viable aviation industry in the future to take advantage of all of these existing exciting opportunities uh, that we were talking about earlier, we got to change the industry. And, and that's what I want to do through my research, through discovering more about the economics uh, and how to change the economics of, uh, of the airline industry um, and building that and putting that into practice at Flexair. So I'm real excited about that. Paul, this has been awesome. I, I tell you, I very much agree with that. I think we can make it affordable. One of the reasons I started the scholarships guide is uh, we're providing education for folks that are willing to go out and get those scholarships, but also we need to address it not just there. We need to address it through financing. We need to address it through many different avenues of planning, career planning, financial planning, et cetera. And, uh, and I think you're right. If we would just do a better job uh, of making money available and making people realize what money is available. I think we keep people. And I think that's the next thing that, that is, is going to be great about Flexair and, and the schools that really are involved in like financing and realize that is a big part of it are going to succeed like yourself. And, and I really think you will. I think that's awesome. Um, but before we go, and, and I'm good, I really want to say good luck with everything that you're doing. What advice would you give like overall to somebody who is rotating out of the military or somebody who's looking at maybe moving out of that flying job into entrepreneurship? I, I would say don't make the mistake that I did of just swinging to the to the first vine that you can because because the numbers work out because the salary works out because uh because you're you're focused on and, and this is reasonable right because you're going from an environment where you have predictable pay uh where literally your pay tables are public record and you know mandated by congress moving from that environment to I don't know how to negotiate for pay. I don't know how to negotiate for benefits. I've never been in an interview or or built a resume before. Those are learnable skills. What's really valuable, and don't forget this, is that you come from an atmosphere, from an environment where uh, you you know how to talk to people, you know how to lead, you know how to handle stressful situations, you know how to handle dynamic and uncertain uh, situations. Those are magic in the outside world, and don't forget it. So you're you're much more marketable than you think, and you're way more than just your logbook or your flight hours. You know, we get so caught up on that in the military. We're all about quals and training and certification. There's way more than that. It's all those soft skills. And, uh, you know, that that's that's what I love talking to our SkillBridge interns about. You know, there's plenty of good advice out there. Uh, if folks are interested in our program, I'd encourage them to get in touch with us too. But it's those soft skills, your leadership and, and just who you are from being through that military experience is worth way more than quals or certifications or any of that. All great advice. And thanks so much for being here again, Paul. I, I really loved having you on. And uh, the information you gave was really valuable. And it's something that I think people can use, take action, and move forward with. And of course, you can find out more about them at goflexair.com. Paul, if, if there's any questions that come in, if you don't mind, I'm going to send them your way. You bet. I love that. Yeah. 
As a matter of fact, if you do have a question for any of our guests, of course, it's feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you have a question for Paula, we'll forward that along. And who knows, it might be a question that may help somebody else listening right now. And we can pay it forward. So please write us. We de-identify all that information. We'll give the question to Paul. He'll answer it or one of the other guests if it's uh, for them. But it's really something that helps this community. And that's what we're trying to do here. Look towards the next step in your career. Look towards the next thing in your life, just like Paul has done, is don't stop. Keep moving forward. You know, we talked a little bit about paying it forward. Paul's done that. I mean, he's done that with the scholarships guide. You may be able to get a free one using that coupon code, pay it forward, that people like Paul have been generous enough to actually fund some of those scholarships guides. Another thing too, if say you don't have the $10, maybe you just have $1 you can afford a month. We do have those programs out there through our Patreon account where for every $10 we raise, we give away a scholarships guide. And that it makes a difference. And there's so many things that you can do by listening to this podcast, by writing into us, having us forward those questions to people like Paul. That's really important. But the most important thing is don't stop now. I know these are tough times. Keep moving forward. Keep walking forward. Take a step. Take a leap. Take a little shuffle. Whatever it may be, I want you to do something today to move forward in your career and your life. Well, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.